I still remember the excitement on December 31st, 2019. We watched as millions of people watched the Waterford Crystal Ball drop in Times Square and ring in 2020. This was going to be a better year than last. The beginning of the year couldn't have begun better. We were going to have a mild winter and early spring, hang up the snow shovels, bring out the lawn chairs. This would be a winter for the ages. It was definitely a winter for the ages. By the end of March, restaurants were closed to in-service dining, and most churches live-streamed their services to empty sanctuaries. We were at war with the coronavirus. Before 2020, just a handful of healthcare professionals had heard of coronavirus. And most of them operated on four-legged patients because coronavirus started as a disease in animals, but it jumped to people and attacked our ability to breathe. Hundreds of thousands were diagnosed and tens of thousands died. People the world over ran to the stores to stock up on bottled water, hand sanitizer, and pallets of toilet paper. For a few frightful weeks, it seemed the world ran dangerously close to running out of toilet paper. People panicked. And when people panic, they sometimes buy more than they can afford to have more than they need. Psychologists tell us it makes us feel better, like we're better prepared. The early part of 2020 was the first time most of us heard of the coronavirus. And we looked a little like the Israelites looked the first time they heard of the Sabbath day. Hey, good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to LJ Harry, and you're listening to Rest on Simplify. The nation of Israel set up camp in the wilderness between Elam and Sinai. They growled more than their stomachs. I'm hungry. Me too. I'm so hungry I could eat a bullock. Hey, Moses, what's the deal? Drag us out here to the wilderness to starve us to death? They were turning into a mob. And while they fumed at Moses, God spoke to Moses. Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day they shall prepare what they shall bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Exodus 16, verses 4 through 5. It's really simple. God is going to rain down bread from heaven. All you have to do is go out of the tent, shop on the ground for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and eat up. But a few Israelites stockpiled food like Americans stockpiled two-ply. While most of Israel picked up the food by the handfuls, a handful of Israelites drove in their forklifts to haul away pallets of manna in case this wonder bread was a one-hit wonder. But the next day, all the manna they didn't eat the previous day grew worms and the camp stank worse than a landfill inside a paper mill. They learned their lesson. Only gather what you need each day. But the sixth day was special. On the sixth day, take twice as many shopping bags because you need to gather twice as much for your meals. But why? What made the sixth day special? The seventh day. The sixth day was special because it was the day before the seventh day, and my math is on point. The Sabbath day was the seventh day. That was the day God wanted his people to rest. God created rest. God created us to rest. He worked very hard for six days in the beginning, but on the seventh day he rested. But rest was just a dream for the children of Israel in Egypt. Their taskmasters towered over them while they worked beneath Egypt's blazing sun. If they even hinted at a day off each week, they could lose a limb, maybe their life. But God was not like those taskmasters. He knew Israel and he loved Israel. 
And one way he showed them how much he loved them was by giving them one day of rest every week, a Sabbath day. As long as they gathered twice as much manna as they needed on the sixth day, God preserved their food on the seventh day. They didn't need a refrigerator or even a pull-along cooler. They could stay in their pajamas and play checkers in the tent all day, which that sounded a little bit like the pandemic. But there were a few dissenters. Maybe they were curious, maybe rebellious, maybe a little bit of both. But they slipped off their slippers, slipped on their boots, and walked outside pushing their grocery carts. But there were no groceries. No manna, no bread. The ground was emptier than Chick-fil-A on Easter Sunday. God took a day off sending food so they would take a day off shopping for food. God created the Sabbath day to teach us to rest and to trust. He values Sabbath so much he etched Sabbath in stone as the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. Exodus 20 verse 8. Okay, got it. No work on the Sabbath. Check. Well, hang on. Wait a minute. What's work? Is only work work? Is play work? Is grocery shopping work? God's people went right to work figuring out how much work is too much work on the Sabbath day. All this talk of work is actually making me tired. They came up with 39 total categories they considered work. Hey, listen here now. Nobody better be sowing, plowing, reaping, winnowing, sifting, threshing, shearing, wool, washing, wool, beating, wool, dyeing, wool, weaving, trapping, slaughtering, flaying, tanning, scraping, hives, marking hives, building, demolishing, kindling, fire, extinguishing, fire, or even writing or erasing two more letters on the Sabbath day. And those are just half of the prohibitions Israel came up with to stay away from on the Sabbath day. Now, whether God wanted all those prohibitions or not, we don't know. But we do know God wanted his people to rest. And he still does. We need to take time each week for Sabbath, whether you're white-collar, blue-collar, clerical-collar, no-collar, because our bodies and our minds need rest. Turn off the phone. Shut the laptop lid. Leave the shovel in the shed. The garden can wait. If you haven't rested in a while, you need rest. It would be easier to find a cactus in the Arctic than to find a panel of well-respected doctors who all agree, oh yeah, you guys are good. You're getting plenty of rest. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. Go away for a day. Go for a walk and put your phone on Do Not Disturb. Just take it for emergencies, like ordering a blizzard from Dairy Queen to pick up in the drive-thru. If you can't take a day off work during the week, then make Saturday your Sabbath day. If you can't make any day of the week your Sabbath day, you might want to reevaluate if you're too busy doing good things rather than doing the best things, which would be what God created you to do, including rest. Work hard to keep from working hard on Saturdays so you can recharge your mental and physical batteries. God believes in Sabbath. Now, those in Jesus' day, many of them kept the letter of the Sabbath day, but they lost the spirit of it. But Jesus kept the spirit of it even if he didn't keep their letter of it, which is just one of the many charges the Jewish religious leaders leveled against Jesus. Jesus made them so stark raving mad, they pushed him all the way to a mountain in Jerusalem and cried out for him to be crucified there. They thought if they could put an end to him, it would put an end to his teaching. They didn't realize the end of that dark Friday would be the beginning of a new covenant God would establish with his people. The Jews were remarkably reverent about the Sabbath day. And truthfully, I could use some more reverence for rest. But was this what God was wanting from us when he created the Sabbath day for us? Should we keep the seventh day Sabbath day? Why do we traditionally have our main worship services on the first day of the week 
Does God care when we rest and when we worship? If anybody has the answers to those questions, it would be Paul. He was the head of the class honor roll student sitting at the feet of Rabbi Gamaliel. But he wasn't Paul in those days. He was called Saul. Saul attended the Harvard of his day to learn Jewish law. He learned every principle and precept of the law until his blood boiled when he heard this new sect of Jesus followers was breaking Jewish laws. Saul hated them. He hated their so-called gospel. With every breath, Saul made it his mission to put an end to these Jesus followers. But on his hundred-plus-mile ride to arrest even more, Jesus got Saul's undivided attention. Saul heard the gospel, and that night Pastor Ananias baptized Saul in the name of of the very one Saul used to persecute, the name of Jesus Christ. God forgave Saul and filled him with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Saul soon started to go by Paul, and God called Paul to preach the very gospel he used to persecute. This selfsame Paul, who loved the Jewish law and had a great reverence for it, also wrote in Colossians 2, verse 16, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink, or respect of a holy day, or new moon, or of Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Since Jesus' resurrection on that history-changing Sunday, some of the New Testament church began to gather and worship on the first day of the week rather than the seventh. That's Acts 20, verse 7. The Corinthian church planned their big sacrificial offering service on a Sunday, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. These Christians weren't celebrating the Seventh-day Sabbath day like they did before, and they were breaking a few other Jewish laws in the process. And some in the Christian church were outraged. And that's why Paul drew out his gospel six-shooter and took aim on a few doctrinal issues sitting atop the fence posts in this newborn New Testament church. The question is not, should we observe a Seventh-day Sabbath day? The real question is, do Christians need to keep all the Jewish laws, all 613 of them, in order to be right with God? And the answer to that question is no. The good news is, the good news is still the good news. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is the only way to be right with God. We're not saved just because we keep a seventh-day Sabbath day, and we're not lost just because we don't. The seventh-day Sabbath day was holy to God, but it wasn't the only holy day. Israel's highest and holiest days was the Day of Atonement. It was the peak of their Sabbath days. The Day of Atonement carried that special feel of kind of a Christmas or Thanksgiving where you're getting ready for it, excited about it, circling it on a calendar. But they weren't getting kids together to watch them open the wrapping. They were getting together with family to watch the high priest walk into the presence of God to hope their sins could be pushed ahead one more year. It was the highest and holiest day on their calendar all year. The Jews observed the Day of Atonement for centuries. God even gave Moses step-by-step instructions for the Day of Atonement while he stood atop Mount Sinai, the same Sinai where God told Moses all about the Sabbath day. But once Jesus shed his sinless blood on Calvary, there was no need to sacrifice another ram or lamb or bullock to atone for our sins. Only Jesus' blood atones for our sins. Although the Day of Atonement was prescribed for the Jews throughout their generations, Exodus 30, It was a holy requirement for God's people at one time, but thanks to Calvary, the Day of Atonement is not a holy requirement for all time, especially for our time. If that's true of the Day of Atonement, it's certainly true of the seventh day, Sabbath day. It's God's fourth word to his people he etched in stone. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. What does that mean for us? Remember, we need to rest.
Remember, we need to worship. Remember, Jesus died to give us Sabbath rest. So let us live to give him worship. Would you pray with me right now and ask the Lord to help us? We certainly need to trust him more and we need to rest more. We need to ask him to evaluate and help us evaluate our priorities and how we spend our time. And if we're too busy, if we're doing good things but not the best things, including rest, then let's ask God to help us to recalibrate those priorities so we can be and do what he called us to do without burning out or wearing out. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for including rest in your plan. Thank you for giving us rest. I pray today, help us to reevaluate everything we're doing in our lives, our priorities, the things we spend our time on. Help us, Jesus, today to rest. You created us to need rest. So help us, I pray, to rest. Help us to live a life that glorifies and pleases you. Help us to do the best things, including rest when we need it. And help us to worship, help us to trust you. Lord Jesus, we ask you to help us to have an answer when people ask us why we do what we do and why we don't do what we don't do. Give us an answer from your word on what you would have us to say. I ask you all of this and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much, Simplify listeners. Be sure to subscribe and share, like and follow. Make sure you continue to walk through Simplify with me and with all of those listeners out there. Also share this podcast, this episode, if it's going to be a blessing. If maybe somebody's asking you questions about the Sabbath day and this might be a help to them to introduce why we do and why we don't do some of the things that we do and we don't do. Also, head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. We've got some wonderful resources. I've got a couple books I've written and one book in the works right now. The books I've written called Simplify the Devotional and then 10 Words, which this content of this episode came right out of the heart of the book 10 Words, a practical look at the Ten Commandments. So if you want to learn more about what the Ten Commandments meant for them, means for us, and how we live them out in our lives you can pick that up at PentecostalPublishing.com and use promo code SIMPLIFY and get 10% off your order, your entire order, there at PentecostalPublishing.com. You can also pick it up at Amazon for Kindle, or if you're in the Mount Vernon, Ohio area, you can pick it up at Paragraphs, a signed copy, Paragraphs Bookstore, very charming bookstore, right there at the corner of South Main and East Ohio. Next week, we still stand to the base of this mountain as we hear these Ten Commandments, and I want to share with you a devotion called Honor. It's concerning how we honor our father and mother. And primarily, I want to try to answer the question, how do we honor parents who don't honor God? I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week and always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.